1: Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Dana Donafrey, founder and CEO of Ana Ono, which designs intimate apparel for people who have undergone breast surgery due to breast cancer diagnosis and other reasons.
2: Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us real quick, when did you start Ana Ono and why? I started Ana Ono about nine years ago. We've been in business for a little over six, but I started it after my own diagnosis with breast cancer at the age of 27. Um, I'd also been a fashion industry professional and spent my entire career in this space. And when I realized my body had changed forever due to my cancer diagnosis and surgeries, I decided to set out and really change the lives of others just like me by making beautiful, comfortable, and gorgeous bras and intimate apparel that fit my new body
1: we need a lot more of that for non-surgically altered bodies at that point comfortable and attractive bras are um yeah well i commend you and on behalf of all women thank you for (laughs) adding to that line it's true
2: no nobody really likes their bra so they work for you too so don't worry about it (laughs) i needed something more comfortable and, and that's what drove me to do it now in your role then leading this company who do you need to influence As a CEO, I I have to influence many people. I have to influence my team, my business partners, and even our investors. Sure. So what's one of the biggest communication
1: challenges that you're facing today, either you individually or the organization as a whole?
2: Today specifically, I think communicating change at a very fast pace is my challenge. It's constantly changing an environment here and change is required, but change isn't always easy for everybody. So just making sure that I'm communicating with clarity and transparency is key, but also challenging. So give us an example. Communicating change in what way? Change in how we need to operate because of COVID restrictions or shutdowns and adaptation to our customers and our clients, how they expect service during these tough times. I feel like communication is hitting us from all different aspects, and you have to have a different communication style for your employees, for our customers, for our business partners, and everybody's environment is changing. So it's a lot about transparency and quickness. So what kind of skills did you have to learn then to be able to do all this? In a way, I'm really thankful that I spent a lot of time in my industry before I set out and launched my own business. I think that I'm always working on my own CEO executive training and my own leadership skills. I I believe it's something that I can always improve on. I'll never be perfect. So it's really about, to me, you know, was my leadership skills ingrained or was it something I learned In a bit, it's a bit of both. But, you know, if you ask my mom, she would tell you that if you wanted something done, you went to go ask Dana. So it's something that's always been running through my blood. And I just think that I need to hone into what makes me better and how do I improve and become a better leader to those around me.
1: And where did communication skills fall into that? You mentioned a whole bunch of different groups that you have to communicate to differently. What's something that you had to learn on that curve?
2: I think because I was always stuck in a place that really has rung true for my entire career. If you wanted something done, you went to Dana. And I think the reason why I was so strong in those environments was because I was really able to have communication with such diverse groups of people, my own team, external teams, keeping everybody on the same page, keeping everybody in line and, and really just moving quickly. Uh, I don't think that you can do that if you don't communicate well. So there was always a laser focus on what needed to get done. And, and there was just, I guess, a way I expressed that that keeps everybody on the tracks. Sure. Now, it sounds like it's, oh, so easy.
1: You know, you make it sound like, oh, there's no problem here. It just always worked out. But my guess is that's probably not always the case, right? We all have those mistakes. We all have those do-over moments. Tell us a story. What's the time when you made a mistake or you had to learn a lesson the hard way on this path?
2: I think this is such a great question and actually took me a long time to think about what something was that I really tripped up on. And I know a story that rings true to my career. I've grown and I've lived in a very fast paced, high stress, high fashion industry. Mm -hmm. And my biggest mistake was when I was applying the same pressure that I was under Mm -hmm. onto my team. And I just remember a very distinct turning point when I realized that that's what I was doing and how I needed to adapt and overcome that because my whole goal was to protect my team and keep them running just as quickly, but trying to save them a little bit from the unnecessary and unrequired stress that happens in fashion. And I I remember being in Paris and my associate, my assistant called me and she had told me that she had made a big mistake. She had ordered thousands and thousands of dollars of genuine leather in the wrong color and I just remember politely exiting from the room that my bosses <laughs> were around and hiding myself into a corner and I was not a yeller I didn't scream at people but in a very stern and serious voice I told her whatever she needed to do she needed to insert profanity fix it hmm And in that moment, I scared the daylights out of her, but I also knew the hammer that was going to come down on me had I needed to tell my bosses that mistake. And so anyways, we fixed it without anybody ever knowing that it happened, but it was really a moment for me that I said to myself, I need to change. I can't put my toxic environment on to the people that I'm managing.
1: So if you could go back in time and relive that moment, not that you'd want to, but if you had to, what would that conversation have sounded like? What would your response have been instead?
2: I would have taken a deep breath and maybe potentially hung up the phone and called her back when I felt a little bit more sane. Rather than, you know, scaring the daylights out of her and knowing that, you know, she had to run to the bathroom to go cry afterwards. I don't want to put anybody through that. So that was definitely something I I would have done. I would have handled myself differently. Can you think of what the response might have been? It would have been a bit more collaborative. You know, I would have given her something of, don't worry, we're going to fix this. Let's pick up the phone. Let's call our vendor. I'm sure there's a way out of this instead of instilling the light of fear into her. (laughs) because we don't want to, I mean, look, there's there's
1: real issues, right? You order the wrong thing. Your clients, have, or, your customers have ordered X. You can't provide them Y. They're not going to want to hear, oh, we made an ordering mistake. Sorry, you paid for it. So it's understandable for people to panic when you hear those kinds of mistakes. It's not like a typo kind of a thing once the order has been placed, right? You can't just sort of go back and fix it. So I think these are really the kinds of issues. How do you handle the crisis, right? How does it how do you address the people? How do you help them understand? Yes, of course, this is urgent. Like, it sounds like she kind of knew that this was a bad thing to have to tell you in the first place. It wasn't like, oh, so Dana, yeah, you know, I just kind of I ordered blue instead of red. So my bad.
2: Yes. <laughs> like, Very close she, to that. <laughs> she was like that or she wasn't like that? Oh, no, she that would have been nice. But no, it was that bad of a mistake. It was uh, it was not even a yeah, yeah. mask over if we wanted to. Right,
1: right. So the fear of God was already in her before she even called. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's such a crucial piece to recognize. You know, does someone already understand the gravity of the situation? In which case, you know, they're already punishing themselves. You don't need, to, even with children, you know, you can tell when when they know that they have botched something up royally. Okay, do I have to further, to use your, your word, you know, bring the hammer down on them versus, all right, how do we handle this they're going to punish themselves anyway, so let them fix the problem, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a conversation later. Do I need to add to the guilt? So that's such a great example. So then what's the next big goal for you, either personally or for Ana Ono, and what kind of communication skills do you think you'll need to develop to achieve it?
2: My big goal now is actually professional and personal. I've been a solopreneur since I started my business nine years ago, and I'm really pushing myself to dive into and fill the shoes of the CEO. And I'm doing that by pushing myself to stop working in the business and start working on the business. And this is a really big personal shift, mostly because when you've kind of been doing it all yourself for years and you know, you've know you been building a team, you're still at the top of the food chain. And uh, it's sometimes easier to just do things on your own than to ask people to do them for you. And it's been a transition, both personally and professionally, to really seek out that number two, and find the right number two that can react to your personality and and really balance out your flaws, my flaws, really. You know, I, I'm always looking for somebody that's stronger where I'm weak, and getting the delegation right, the communication of delegation yes. is my, my next goal. Yes,
1: and that's so hard. You know, it's funny. I joke a lot. I mean, I'm a linguist, so little details like, oh, look, prepositions matter in versus on. That is ultimately the crux of the whole thing, right? We're working, there is business, but working in the business versus working on the business in that leadership role really is a massive shift of of effort, of thought, of energy. And what you have to communicate to whom then changes almost entirely at that point. And it's hard to let go, right? This is your baby, this organization. So to be able to hand the reins to somebody else and say, make this happen instead of, you know, no, 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 I know how to do it right. I know what I want it to look like. I will take care of it. communicate so that they know what you want, and then to trust that they'll execute per
2: your vision. It's for my own sake of sanity. Let's put it that way. 12 hour days every day is a really tough life to live.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you can't be the chief cook and bottle washer at the same time. You know, you you need to pick a role, pick a role. All right, well, Dana, this brings us to the listener 24-hour influence challenge. So given everything we've discussed so far, this is your opportunity to speak directly to our listeners and to challenge them to take one step that they can complete within the next 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today?
2: Well, here's the deal. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm a breast cancer patient and survivor myself. So I'm going to take this opportunity for a PSA. We are our best detection tools. I found the lump on accident, on my own, in the shower. And my challenge to you and all your listeners, male and female, cancer does not discriminate, especially breast cancer. You must perform a self breast exam in the next 24 hours. And you also must challenge or inform a friend, somebody in your life that you love and care about that they also must do a self breast exam. You really could save somebody's life today.
1: I love that you put that out to both men and women that they're, you know, men get breast cancer too. So it's, it's really important for everyone to do this. So, all right, everybody, this should be one that's easy for you to execute because you don't have to talk to anybody else other than to do that challenge, right? You don't need anybody else's help to do this.
2: And it should be just a minute, two minutes in the morning. While you're in the shower, just give yourself a little extra love in the chest area <laughs> and you'll figure it out yourself. <laughs> but That's if you great. see something, if you feel something, you have to call the doctor.
1: Right. Don't stop there. So there may be a part two to that challenge within those 24 hours. That's great. So thank you for the PSA. All right. That brings us to the next part, which is about guiding others on the journey. When you think about the people who you hire, who you promote, who are on your team, how would you define things like executive presence or leadership presence? How would you identify it?
2: I really think it's an it factor. I don't know if I have a definition. Sometimes I don't know why I'm attracted to someone or their leadership skills. I just am. I think a lot of it has to do with how they communicate or express themselves and how easily I'm able to understand what it is that they're addressing. There's almost that undefined bubble that you can't quite put your finger on it. That to me is the it factor.
1: Yeah. And that's part of why we talk about it, right? Because how, how can people learn to develop it when it is that sort of X factor per se? Is there anything in particular with the way that they communicate that you feel like, yeah, they need to be able to do this or they, they need to exude that?
2: I'm drawn to confidence. I really am. And, and listen, that can be dangerous, right? Somebody who's confident isn't always right. So I think that, you know, I'm always sort of aware of that in my head, but I will say that that's what I'm drawn to. Great. Thank you. Let's go to that very specific example.
1: You're looking for your number two, right? You're ready to let go of the reins more and to bring in somebody else as an officer of the company, perhaps. So when looking for this person, what are the three most important communication skills that they need to have?
2: I really believe that I have to trust them. And to build trust, they have to be very clear in their communication style. They have to be transparent. That to me is everything. I received some of the best advice ever from one of my, my toughest bosses ever. And I was always told, don't expect to get a promotion until you're ready to replace yourself. Mm. And I've held that in my heart consistently uh, and focused on building up those around me. And it's one of those deals that to get to that place, right? I really have to wholeheartedly open up and trust that person with everything and that's going to be like me relinquishing a lot of information as well. So it kind of works on both sides.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Then what's the opposite side of the coin? What's a red flag that could be a career derailer or at least prevent you from hiring that person, especially for that particular role? When you
2: hear them communicate, what would make you go, mm, nope, can't do it? Inconsistency. I think that that is a huge red flag for me. So if you tell me one thing, but you do another thing. Hmm. It breaks trust with me immediately. And as I said earlier, trust is paramount to success, but this shows me immediately I I won't be able to rely on you. Sure.
1: Nobody wants lip service. That doesn't uh, accomplish anything. And I get sometimes people don't necessarily want to have an argument or they don't want to disagree on something because it's uncomfortable. But yeah, don't tell me one thing and do another. That would drive me bonkers. So I'm right there with you. Talk about managing up a little bit. Tell me about a time when somebody in your organization pitched an idea to you, but Bombed. The pitch just did not land with you. What should they have done differently to get that idea across to you and help you see what it was that they were trying to uh, promote?
2: Listen, I really love headstrong people. I really do. (laughs) I love people that like take the reins and take control and just run with it. To me, it's one of the best qualities somebody can have, but not everybody is built like that. And I would say myself specifically will drive people crazy. I am not a check the box, A, B, C, D, get through every letter of the alphabet to get to Z. I will go from A to S to Z and I will finish it two times faster with just the same amount of accuracy. And being able to do that over and over and over in my life, I've created like so many hacks, right? Just so many hacks. But the reality is not everybody lives in the world of hacking their way through things. So I often find, you know, I'll get ideas pitched to me that's like, well, we could do it this way, but they have just added five steps to the process. Mm. And, And as much as I would love to take the extra time to be a little bit more organized, it's something I sacrifice for speed. Uh, Not everybody works in that world. And I'm understanding that more and more. I think that there's a balance of saying, adjusting personality types in, in those environments. And even though I often give somebody the shot to do it, most of the time it fails. There's a balance of kind of being that ABC person to the AZ person and finding that moment of collaboration. So I feel like what they could have done is maybe evolving a bit in their own world, but then I also have to evolve too. So for me, it's a very 50-50 thing when people around me have failed because I haven't given them enough of what they need from me either.
1: Okay. Now, this brings us to the speed round. And these are some of the most common topics that arise in my coaching and in my training with clients, where people tend to think of them as black or white, either or situations, when I think we all know that they're often not. But they also often express concerns or frustrations that they think they're the only ones who struggle with these. And we all tend to look at people who are really good at what we're not good at and go, well, they're just naturally perfect. They're just naturally born with it. They're just, they don't have any problems. I'm the one who's who's just challenged in these areas so we want to let people know that that's not always the case and that we are all growing and and have overcome obstacles as well so i'm going to give you the option and i'd like you to quickly pick a single word or phrase to respond in your choice and then i'll ask you for a little bit more follow-up from there so let's talk first about public speaking love it or hate it love it i can tell you're having fun today with me which is great then can you give a tip to people who don't perhaps love it and need some help managing nerves and speaking with confidence?
2: It's the easiest thing. Just breathe. It's your story. It's what you know. You can prepare, but people are asking you to talk because they want to hear what you have to say. So when you get the mic, just breathe and everything's going to be okay.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important to remember that somebody invited you to speak, somebody handed you the microphone because they already want to hear what you have to say. You have the benefit of the doubt. And people often forget that, right? You don't have to prove to them that you deserve it. They assume that you do. So to run with that confidence, that's a great way to look at it. What about introversion and extroversion? Where do you fall? I mean,
2: definitely an extrovert.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Once again, kindred spirit, I'm right there with you. So then as an extrovert, what's an inherent strength of yours and what's an
2: area that you realize you still have to grow? You can really plop me anywhere into any meeting, any conference, any party. I'm going to make a friend. So that to me is a strength. Trust me, the weakness is is it drives my husband crazy. (laughs) (laughs) What about it drives him crazy specifically? I think for him, he's just like, do you have to talk to everybody? Like, when are you going to give me some time? But I'm like, I already know everything about you. So it's it's finding balance in those social settings to make sure he gets the mic as well, because he's an introvert. So I have Um, to share my space. Got it. So he needs you to
1: be there to be his pillar, sort of his comfort zone in those parties where he doesn't know people. Do you end up making some introductions for him so that he can then talk to people and not have to do it himself? Or how do you help him be comfortable at those parties?
2: I think part of my task is to find somebody who's got something in common with him so I can offload them and then keep talking to other people.
1: (laughs) Help them be comfortable, right? That's a good balance to, to find. I think a lot of people really do need someone else to make that introduction and then they're okay. It's just that first step is the doozy usually. Trust me, I'm the perfect
2: wingman, so that's uh, that's usually what I'm used for.
1: (laughs) Nice. All right, so what about conflict? Now, nobody likes conflict, but when you're faced with a potentially difficult conversation, is your natural hardwiring, your DNA set to want to avoid it at all costs or to want to dive in and address it head on?
2: I go at it head on, and trust me, that I feel definitely is good and bad. But I think that talking through conflict is so important because most often it's a miscommunication. And if it's not, I got to say my piece and move on. So it's definitely a head on for me.
1: So tell me about that tendency, because you said something really important, that it's that sort of mixed blessing. It's both good and bad. What's the good? Well, I think you just shared it with us, the good, that it's often a just a miscommunication. And if you address it, you can make it go away as quickly as possible. What's the bad?
2: I can upset people more and kind of addressing it, you know, if I feel like something's wrong, or there's a conflict arising, I'm going to talk about it. But not necessarily does the other person feel that way. They don't always want to talk about it. So again, I just can't let it muster inside of me and sit and boil, because I will. So it's personally better for me to just get it out, which is a bit selfish, right? But I think it's also important.
1: So how do you address it then? If you know that, okay, if you don't talk about it, it's going to fester and then it's going to get worse. So that's a smart approach to figure out a way to not let it fester. But if you know that the other person is going to be uncomfortable talking about it, at least in general, and look, it's conflict. So by definition, people are uncomfortable with it. What's a step that you take or that you can recommend to others that will help the other person be okay with engaging in
2: that conversation? Something I've learned over time because of being a bit of a bull in the China shop, I ask, I do always ask, hey, do you want to talk about it? And sometimes they say no. And if they say no, I might send an email that will, again, settle my piece. And if they want to read it, they can. And if they don't, they don't. But I do ask now, you know, hey, do you have a second? Can we just hop on the phone and talk this out quick? And most times people do say yes. Good. All right. So addressing and just asking that permission as opposed to
1: imposing. And I think that makes a difference also when you are, when there are power differentials, sometimes giving the other person the choice. You hope they say yes. And of course, if they don't say yes, then that may tell you something also. It's like, no, you don't want to work through this problem. You just want to, okay, is it about now? Is it about forever? You just want to let it sit? Or, okay, these are indicators as far as how you may need to handle other things moving forward. Dana, can you give others some indication as far as how they can learn more about you and Ana Ono? Well, I
2: would love for you all to take a minute to visit annaono.com. It's A-N-A-O-N-O. And just check it out. If you know somebody in your life that has been through breast cancer, please share this information with them. It really can change their outlook and, and help their healing. And of course, for all of your listeners, I would love to extend a 20% off discount with STI 20 at checkout. So you can follow us along there. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Ana Ono Intimates and also through my own personal handles, which are all Dana Donofri.
1: All right. So we'll put all of that in the show notes. And just to make sure that we understood and that we heard you nice and clear, if you do choose to purchase some of the beautiful lingerie at anaono.com, and when you're ready to check out, use the promo code or the discount code STI, so speaking to influence, STI2020, and then you'll get that 20%. Did I hear that correctly?
2: You did. Very good.
1: Love it, love it. Okay, so for the breast cancer survivors in your life, this is a great opportunity as well. Dana, thank you so much for that gift as well as for the gift of joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. Really a pleasure. And to everybody else who's listening, once again, thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And of course, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite.